and we are live, everyone, for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintram. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. All right. I hope you are, because we have plenty to talk about this week, and a lot of non-Tesla stuff, which should make a lot of our readers happy with things that sometimes we talk a little bit too much about Tesla, which is fair, even though like we like to say they still own the North American market when it comes to EVs. So that's why we spend a lot of time on them. But this week, we have a lot of other things because it's also like the earnings week for Rivian and um, um, Lucid and, and a few other automakers. So we're going to discuss that. I'm just going to share my screen with you guys so that you can see what's happening here. All right. But we're still going to start out with some Tesla news. <laughs> uh, the first one is going to be the Tesla Model 3 performance. So we, we had a lot of uh, indication lately that the Model 3 uh, Highland performance version is coming soon. At least it's being tested out in the U.S. by Tesla. So for those who don't remember, when Tesla launched the Island last year in Asia and Europe, it was only the base rear-wheel drive version and the long-range dual, drive, a dual motor version, not the performance version. It was gone. Uh, in the U.S. when it was launched last month, same thing. There's still some Model 3 Performance 2023 out there available for sale in your inventory. It's actually a pretty good deal if you're uh, if you're not on board with the refreshed. Um, it might be a good option for you. It's pretty cheap right now. So it's something to think about. But we're probably going to lose even more value when the new version comes out, though we don't know exactly what's going to be uh, new in the new version in terms of performance, but we know that there's going to be hardware changes, which is quite new for the Model 3 performance at Tesla. For a long time, the Model 3 performance and even like the, the Model S performance or Plaid or, or, or Ludacris, whatever it was, whenever it was, it's uh, it, it was pretty much the same car with like you, you slap a spoiler on it, bigger uh, brakes, bigger calipers. And that's it. Like you unlock some software capability in the car, a higher top speed, higher acceleration. But the actual powertrain were in a lot of these versions the same. There was a few times with Tesla had different um, things involved with like a better suspension or, or not necessarily better, but more aggressive suspension. Uh, there was one point also like the ludicrous Model S had like a, a, a bigger conductor between the battery pack and the, mo the motor. But for most of the time lately, the performance version and the long-range dual-motor version were basically the same car in terms of hardware. Now, the engineering test vehicles, so Tesla actually writes engineering test vehicles on, on, on those now that were spotted, still have camouflage on the front. So, And based on the camouflage, if you look at the front lip here, I have a closer look here, looks updated. It looks like it's not the same as the um, front bumper on the refreshed version, which is already new from the older version, but it's, again, a, a, another one. And um, now what's even more interesting on this one that was spotted is that we see these bucket seats in there. So uh, that's something that uh, was first revealed by um, Green, the notorious Tesla hacker. Um, it was in the app update a few months ago where you could see some what this are called sports seats. So now in the end case that the Model 3 performance will have both interior changes and exterior changes. So it's getting us excited. Maybe Tesla is planning something big for the Model 3 performance and it has also potential um, further improvements to the, the performance of the car. Uh, Tesla is going to try to beat the uh, 0 to 60 acceleration of 3.1 seconds for the previous Model 3 performance. Which is crazy fast. for the Model 3 performance set? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, 
obviously it's it's not going to be a roadster level but uh certainly a great small car i honestly believe that the model 3 is the best tesla for driving i think uh Mm -hmm. nothing beats it um and i've had all the the teslas besides the cybertruck and the, the original roadster so um can only get better i guess right yeah, I mean, I would assume so. Tesla really doesn't go back ways when it comes to improving its vehicles. And I agree with you completely like that. That Model 3 performance, I mean, I had one since 2018. It's super fun car to drive. I would agree more fun than the Model S because it's lighter, it's more nimble, mm-hmm. easier to park to. So for the performance version, like this might be like, uh, I guess, I, I know I know who's excited about this. Uh, our friends at Unplug Performance, I'm sure they are excited about that. They love when there's a new top version of a Tesla vehicle that comes out, and I'm sure plenty of people are going to want to get upgrades for this. All right, this this is going to be a shock for some people, but I'm going to say some good things about FSD Beta right now. Uh, so we still don't have the wide release of FSD Beta V12. For those people that don't know, the V12 is supposedly another mind blowing update, according to Elon Musk, to the FSD Beta. Even though he said that, like eight times about eight of the 12 updates so far and the, it's never been very mind-blowing to me <laughs> but this v12 is supposed to be better because it's supposed to introduce end-to-end neural nets so now the vehicle controls are also powered by neural nets instead of being hard-coded by by programmers it was supposed to be wide release last year it it's been delayed a few times uh last month it was released to a few customers but really just a handful this week it reached a little bit more people, but not that many more. Like it, sorry, it's not. It's still not a wide release. So, but one of these new per- people is uh, a guy going by Arthur from X on X, and he got it in his uh, model three or model Y. I'm not so sure. Uh, and he posted this video that I found kind of impressive. Uh, like, let me uh, show you real quick here. I don't know if I can. Do you see it like that? Yeah, you see it like that. I'll, I'll cut the sound and I'll fast forward a bit because the interesting part, so the guy, oh, no, so that's fast forwarding a little bit too much. I'll, I'll go from here. So the guy puts a, uh, an alley, a random location in an alley in Sacramento in the car, and you see the car right now driving up to that alley. On the left, the car is going to take a left. Um, not too complicated. There's not a lot of traffic. It just goes into the alley right now. But the point of the location here is at the end of the alley. And normally what the car would do, right, is what it's doing right now, though it's driving a little bit slowly. It makes sense. There's another car. It's an alley. There's no clear lines uh, of where you can drive. But it would drive up to the alley to the point where it's written the map to the specific address or where you drop the pin. And then it would stop right about now would be normal where it stops. But instead of stopping, the car slows down, continues a little bit. uh, And then this is where things get interesting. Instead of stopping in the middle of the alley, like it would usually do with FSD beta, it continues. And then look at the navigation system. It updates itself. In a, right now, and it goes uh, does a drive around the block. Uh, so Arthur obviously is like, what's happening? Why didn't it stop? Why is it going right on the block? And then we're going to fast forward to that right around the block. But then it goes back here in the alley. And then instead of going all the way to the point this time, because it knows there's nowhere to park at that point, it stops right here where there's parking. Like that. 
and I was like, you reach your destination safely. Well, sorry. This is pretty cool. Um, I think this is pretty cool because what it shows, it shows like the, the car is basically like thinking where it's like, all right, it's, I'm arriving at my destination. I'm going to get as close as I can. And then I need to find a safe place to stop. Couldn't find it. Did a run around the block and then parked earlier than the point, which would be like what the human would do really uh, in this situation. So this this is pretty cool. Like if it, if this is really like neural nets deciding that and not actually being programmed into the car, you gotta admit this is impressive. Now it's not level four, it's not level five, uh, self driving, anything like that. Uh, if if uh, <laughs> the car would have hit the curb while trying to park, Arthur would have been fully responsible for it. Unfortunately, this is not taking any responsibility. But still, uh, I thought that this was something noteworthy, uh, a little bit encouraging for V twelve. Do you agree, Seth? Yeah, I mean that particular example is certainly that way. I like I hate to say this, but I don't trust people with the blue check marks always. That I feel like I have a blue check mark. I know, I know you though. Uh, so I don't know. I like I need to see it myself. I you know why not give it to if it's this good? Then why not give it to everybody? Um, I, you know the, the version I have right now is not great. So how bad could this be? I mean, I've been saying what we really need is the data. It's actual data to see improvement with disengagement per mile and all that. And Tesla is unfortunately not releasing that. So even 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 if you had it and you experienced it, even that is not good enough. I mean, like even if we were doing it, you get V12 and we do an episode and Seth comes back. Seth has been notoriously um, not very positive about FSD, but I come back and like, it's incredible. It's still not as good as actual data. It's still anecdotal and Tesla is not really seeing that. It's, it's, uh, it's annoying as hell. Uh, Cybertruck, we have, uh, speaking of anecdotal evidence, we have some anecdotal evidence that the Cybertruck production is ramping up. There was a large fleet that was spotted at Gigafactory, Texas. So as we noted, speaking of Tesla being uh, opaque with its data, um, they've done something that we didn't appreciate uh, with the latest uh, delivery release last quarter. They are not now. They are not only not splitting up Cybertruck deliveries. They are including it in Model S, X, and Tesla Semi all together. So we have no idea like how any of these programs are doing overall. Uh, so Tesla is not basically not releasing Cybertruck production right now or um, deliveries. So the best indication that we have right now is these flyovers like John Techmeyer has been doing over at Gigafactory Texas in Austin. And the last one was uh, encouraging. That was uh, on Wednesday. Um, there were over 100 trucks spotted at the staging area for, for delivery, for, for shipping, with more trucks coming out of the factory. Then yesterday, same thing, by the way, it was over 100 trucks spotted yesterday, too, with some already going out, too. So uh, it would it would show I, I'm not I'm, I don't think we can say that it's 100 per day or something like that just yet. Like that, that would be uh, a little bit too early to say, but it is encouraging. And it looks like it's uh, at least a few hundreds per week right now, uh, which is good. We also have seen more people getting uh, confirmation of like VIN numbers for deliveries, more deliveries every week, too. So it's still hard to gauge where Cybertruck production is right now. And also it can be up and down. Also, uh, keep note of that. Uh, but it is encouraging. I mean, I would assume right now it could be probably in the high hundreds to a few thousand Cybertrucks already on the road. And um, Tesla could deliver soon. Like maybe, the, maybe like, 
I would think the end of this quarter, they might achieve a thousand a week, really. You think that's too optimistic, Seth? Um, I don't know. I mean, that seems re reasonable. Uh, there's certainly quite a few out there. Of, have you seen one in the wild yet? I guess they're not really in Canada too much. No, I not in not, Canada. I have not seen one yet in the wild here up here in Vermont, but I was also in New York. Um, I think week. it's still mostly California and Texas right now. Yeah, I mean, we, we've all, all the ones we've kind of reported on have been in that area. Um, so I don't know. Like, it seems like they're ramping up. Uh, I, you know, I always question, like, why doesn't Tesla just you know, tell us how many they're selling? what's the big secret it's not like i mean if ford found out like what are, what is ford gonna do differently yeah, yeah. that that has been the uh the thing that I've, has been used but not really by well elon, i've heard elon say that once or twice but it's mainly like tesla fans pushing pushing that like the the reason why we don't push uh why tesla doesn't release information it's because it could be used uh even if it's true information it could be used by naysayers to attack tesla Funny enough, that's the same logic that uh, uh, Twitter used in the, the Twitter files that Elon exposed. Like when when Twitter like justified like censoring through information, they said it was mal instead of misinformation, it was malinformation. That it's true information, but that could be used for for bad things. Right. <laughs> so yeah. Elon exposed that. Was very proud of exposing that, but he uses the same logic for Tesla stuff. Yeah, there's no reason. I mean, Tesla is very opaque with its information. It's not transparent with its shareholders, and it should be. There's no reason not to. Like, that's not, I, I'm not a Tesla hater for saying that. It's just like basic logic, really. Yeah, and then you have to go through different, you know, like insurance companies and you know, Cox Automotive and like all these other like mm -hmm. not not great sources of information. And then you're kind of guessing, and then you're you know, going on data that might be skewed. Just why not just put it out there? Yeah. One more thing on the cyber truck real quick uh, is this um, real-world test of the weight mode. So we talked about weight mode before. Uh, when, when Tesla started marketing the cyber truck, Elon talked about the cyber truck being waterproof and being able to uh, be used as a boat and go across river, uh, rivers, especially a river, uh, the river across the um, South Padre Island in Texas between, between the star, uh, SpaceX star base and South Padre Island in Texas, which is about uh, 360 meters, 1,000 feet across. It's not quite there. Like, it's not the first time that he's talked about Tesla vehicle being waterproof and be able, being able to use it as a boat. And uh, Elon, Elon and especially Tesla influencers have been very happy to share like video of Tesla vehicle going out through, through some significantly deep waters uh, and coming out seemingly on skate on the other side. And I always have an issue with that, promoting that stuff, because if you actually look at the Tesla warranty, it says that if something happened after the fact of that, you're, you're voided. So it's it's not something that we should encourage if Tesla, Tesla shouldn't promote it if they don't warranty uh, for it. Uh, now, I thought maybe the Cybertruck is going to be better because they have the weight mode, which is that it can uh, go through water and it pressurize the battery pack and raise the ride height to the maximum so that you can uh, more easily go through water with it. But now that someone actually tested it, it's uh, tech, uh, I don't know, tech, tech Rocks, I think. Sorry, I forgot the guy's name. I should credit him for, for, uh, for this because he probably ruins his, his Cybertruck with it. Uh, tech, tech Racks, Tech Racks is his name. All right, so he uh, he went through a few of these. Oh, sorry, I keep 
putting the, the sound off and it doesn't working. Um, these big puddles of water there in Texas. And um, the first one was pretty easy. It's not a big one, but the, the, the other two were, were quite deep. Like you have this, this image here that I shared. Nope, I didn't. It's not in there. Water was on the top. Here. Can you see a significant amount of water? Though the guy was driving way too fast in that water, it created this pressure wave in the front. You, you, obviously, you don't want that. If you, you shouldn't go through water if you can avoid it. If you have to, go super slow because you don't want to create this this pressure wave. Like the 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 water goes like just a little bit higher than a bumper, maybe, and uh, now it goes all the way over the, the windshield. It makes no sense. Don't do that. Um, now, but what I found interesting is that no, even even the Cybertruck and the weight mode, it's still not warranty if something happened to it. Um, you when, when you act to activate wave mode, weight mode, you had to activate off-road mode. And in the off-road mode, Tesla says that damage to the vehicle while off-roading is not covered under warranty. And then when you switch to weight mode, uh, same thing happened. It says uh, at your own risk, uh, and this, they give you some parameters to try to be safe, but it's still not covered because you're off-roading technically. Even if the water puddle is on the road, you don't have a big argument because you switch to off-road mode. And when you switch to off-road mode, you'd assume that you're off-roading and it's off-warranty uh, in it. So not a bad look. But the guy went through that water a few times and the Cybertruck was able to go through quite easily. So that's good, but not without issue because uh, there's two plastic parts that came apart, one in the bumper, one in the, in the wheel well, though he was able to snap those back quite easily. So no big deal there. But the, uh, also the buttons on the... Um, um, on the bed that uh, allows you to open the, the tunnel covers and, and the tailgate, they stop working after the fact. <laughs> so not uh, not without damage, really. Okay, moving on from Cybertruck. Oh, this I thought was pretty cool. It might sound like small news, but when, when I started doing the math, I'm like, this is actually a good example of how impactful Tesla can be at its current scale. So for those that are avid users of Sentry Mode, you know that it's quite... Um, power uh, hungry like it consumes a lot of power um that adds a lot to the vampire drain tesla uh, the, for those who don't know the vampire drain is what we call the um uh, the, the the energy use that you have when the car is parked so your car is parked it still use some energy whatever it is from the computers on board when you ping them uh with the app or uh the battery conditioning, uh, sometimes depending on the temperature, the, the, the battery um, thermal management system will, will kick in. So there's some energy if you leave your car um, without driving it for long times, without being plugged in, it will lose some power that we call Vampire Drain. Now, sentry mode, if you had that to that, it contributes a lot to the Vampire Drain, like several times more. And uh, some people uh, did the math on it, and they calculated that if you leave, like if you, if you leave your park, your car parked all day, uh, like twenty four hours, and you leave Sentry Mode on, and for those I should explain Sentry Mode real quick. Sentry Mode is the Tesla use all the autopilot cameras around the car to survey your vehicle and uh, to basically record everything that's happening around it, and to use an alarm system if there's some suspicious activity, like someone like messing with your car. Uh, this was introduced uh, when there was like an epidemic of people keying cars in San Francisco, keying Tesla vehicles and all that. So it was used for that. It was uh, very good at deterring that. But so a lot of people use that 
regularly if you if you park your car at work and you're in a, an area that you're you're not comfortable with you turn that on and it's uh, it's great for your ease of mind but it does consume a lot of powers for 24 hours of use it consumes about 7.2 kilowatt hours of uh, of energy which is a lot it's basically 10 percent of your battery if you have a long range model 3 or model y it's it's a lot. Um, so Drew Bagnino, Tesla as SVP of Powertrain and Energy Engineering, uh, was asked about that this week on on X, and he said, "Agreed. Uh, centrimal power consumption need uh, power consumption needs improvement. The team is working to reduce by forty percent in a Q two software update. So Tesla is preparing to release a software update next quarter that could slash power usage of Centrimal by forty percent, as much as forty percent." So I'll, I did the math real quick with the 7.2 at the scale Tesla. So obviously, I don't actually have data on sentry mode usage. So I'm going to use a complete guess. It could be a lot more than that. could be a lot less than that. But we know there's about 5 million Tesla vehicles on the road right now. It's a lot. Like, it's a huge scale. So if you can make improvements, it can have a big impact. This is Again, this is an OTE software update. Let's say that 1 million vehicles use sentry mode regularly. And they use it about an average of 24 hours per week just to have a nice round number. Um, it would need 7 gigawatt hour of energy used per week for sentry mode across Tesla's fleet. It's massive. It's huge just for sentry mode. Uh, so you slash that by 40%, you just save 2.8 gigawatt hour of power. That's like, so that's all the carbon production from that gone. Um, the cost of that gone, like, Energy is not necessarily cheap. Uh, if you, I, I did like an average of like 15 cents per kilowatt hour, which I, I think is probably low, uh, would save $420,000 per week. Elon would like that number probably. Um, so I, I think it's pretty cool. I think it's a great example of like the scale, the impact that Tesla can have at the current scale and, and that scale is just growing, of course. You know, one of our <clears throat> commenters, uh, who is perhaps a glass half empty, uh, Carl in San Diego says, found it ironic that years after Elon Musk, who according to himself has done more for the environment than anyone else, introduced a 7.2 kilowatt hour per day electrical waste on century mode is finally fixing it. So uh, if you look at it that way, uh, you know, Tesla introduced a huge electrical burden on, on the world. 7.2 kilowatt hours a day per car and not they just fixed it now rather than okay, know, it's not, a bit of a cynical way to look at it like this right. Tesla kind of like it was a great solution when Tesla came up with it because people don't remember like it was an epidemic back then like there was like every week there was people like showing images of uh, their car being keyed for no reason and it did help like it caught like a bunch of people made the news so it became a deterrent so it was a great solution. Like, yeah, maybe they should have addressed that sooner. Maybe maybe it's not that big of a problem. Maybe I'm completely way off with a million people using it. Maybe it's like a hundred thousand people. I don't I don't know. By the way, um, you know who invented that, right? That, that was that you? That was me. Oh, that's right. I remember now. <laughs> you you did you did mention it to to Elon. I did, I did remember that now. You're right. Yeah, yeah, I came up with that. And then I called yeah. it don't mess with Teslas. And yeah. years later it came. And you know, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just... I remember that now. Yeah. I said, there was a cool moment too with me with the the century world. Do you remember that? I, I went, uh, I went eating with my friends uh, one night, and there was a guy that parked his manual car right behind the Tesla uh -huh. in the in a hill. And then he, when he went to leave, 
his car like rolled forward and went to an inch of the test of vehicle. So now he didn't want to get in his car anymore because he, he, he was afraid of like, he couldn't do the trick with the, or, or I think his brake, his hand brake didn't work that, okay. that well too. So he was like scared of like doing it again. So me and my friend went and, and pushed his car up the hill while he was reversing so he doesn't hit the Tesla. And the sentry mode on the guy was on. But like nothing, no one touched his car. His car was fine. Like we we're successful. So I thought like there's no way he's going to check out. I, I went I went behind his camera. I was like, all good, all good like that. But I thought there was no way he was going to check it because it wasn't a super busy street. So probably he got like a thousand alert that night. And right. uh, if I go back to my car and nothing is happening on my car, I'm not going to check all the footage. But the guy actually checked it out and then posted it to Reddit. And then someone recognized me on Reddit. It's like, I think that's because the guy was like, what's happening? I don't know what they're doing with my car behind. So I was able to explain the guy what happened awesome. to his car. Small world. All right, let's go with uh, Rivian uh, Squatters that uh, they posted Ouchie. their earnings for Q4. And uh, it was not great. It was not a good quarter for, for, um, for Rivian. Uh, the main thing that we are looking at with Rivian is a gross margin, obviously. So uh, the, uh, the, the, they are selling their vehicle at a loss right now uh, as they ramp up production. And uh, they had like a crazy bad gross margin. I think it was like minus 138% at one point. I don't, don't have it posted here. Uh, so they were like losing like, <laughs> like to, uh, one and a half car per, like the price of one and a half car was like what they're selling a car. And uh, they, they've slashed that dramatically over the last year down to 36% gross margin uh, in Q3. But then last quarter, there were uh, less deliveries. They changed the deal with Amazon too. Uh, like now the, the percentage of vehicles they're delivering to Amazon is much smaller. Uh, and, uh, and it affected the, the gross margin significantly where uh, now they are way, way up again at 46, minus, uh, minus 46%, like 46% in negative gross margin. So it went up uh, 12 point, uh, 10 point quarters to quarters. And uh, people were not happy with that. And the, when the, the stock crashed like 15% overnight and then another 10% today. Uh, and now it's on the all-time low. So I uh, generated $1.3 in revenue in Q4 on just short of 14,000 deliveries. Uh, so the full year is $4.4 4 which is uh, pretty cool, up 167% from last year. Uh, they are losing still $606 million a quarter. That's again, that's not just loss per vehicle. It's also they are like expanding their, their service and then uh, uh, sales infrastructure, their chargers and all that. So it, it, it's going to be a lot of money going out either way. But yeah, gross margin minus 46% down from 36 last quarter, but still up from last year. Okay, we don't have last year in there. So now they are losing $43,000 per vehicle. That's a lot of cash. Uh, oh no, last fall operation was $600 million. Net loss for the quarter was $1.58 each. Ouch. But they still have $9.3 billion cash on end. So technically, they're still good for a while. And they still guide. Uh, so the, the, with the first quarter, um, last quarter of the year done, they are guiding for um, 2024. And 
They are guiding for a modest gross profit, so they're going to turn. They plan to turn positive in the fourth quarter of this year. So last year they did guide positive gross margin in 2024, but not for the whole year. And now they say it's only going to be for a fourth quarter. So this, this is still this. This is the um, heart of the battle here. It's the positive gross margin, and uh, going for minus 46 percent, losing 43 thousand dollar per car to zero or one dollar per car. Is uh, is not easy to do, uh, especially that they are reducing their prices. Like they they are launching like uh, cheaper versions of the vehicle and all that. So it's not it's going to be a hard thing to do. Not impossible, but hard to do. So hear hear me out on this one. Uh, I feel like Rivian wants to get profitable in the fourth quarter. Obviously, that's what they promised. They've been pretty good about not breaking their promises overall. Gross margin, sorry to correct you, but it's gross margin that they are. They are still going to be losing money in Q4. Right. So, but they want to get to that at the, in the fourth quarter. Yeah. It's possible that they could be sandbagging uh, this quarter and probably next quarter um, so that they can show a profit in the, in the fourth quarter. If they if they you know take a bunch of losses on some stuff and and do some accounting stuff, theoretically, then they could they can show that they're profitable in the fourth quarter if they take some of the losses now. I you know I know okay, generally approved accounting procedures aren't you know that tight, but like I I think that Rivian really wants to make uh, the fourth quarter look really good, so I feel like they're kind of. They're taking the hits now. I mean, they're dropping ten percent of their staff as well. They they yeah yeah layoffs. we should that yeah. Um, so it's not for fun that they're doing this, but I think that they they really want to kind of get to that um, point. No, for where... sure, ten percent of the staff being off is going to help. But again, they are aiming for positive gross margin on the vehicles in Q four, not being profitable. So I don't know how right. much they can they can maybe like do. Uh, I don't know if they account for credits like uh, emission credits in the cost, Alex, or if it's just going to affect the overall profits. Because um, they could do that; they could stack up on pro on, on uh, credit for emissions and sell all of those in Q4 to other automakers right. that need it, or just account for that. Yeah, yeah. So that that could be, but. Again, I, I think I think we need to see like actual costs go way down for 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 Rivian. Yeah, I wonder uh, why they're having problems. I mean, the demand's still there, at least for the R1S. Um, they they did lower the prices a little bit, but uh, not incredibly. Like, why would why would each car cost more to make now than it would? Doesn't yeah. doesn't really make sense. They did say that they have the most popular vehicle for over seventy thousand dollars now, which uh, I, I, I looked it up quickly and it's, I couldn't dispute it. So it looks it looks correct, which is which is pretty impressive. Like uh, it's basically what Tesla did. Like they're they're following a similar trajectory as Tesla with the Model S and X. With these, like these are, are pretty good numbers, uh, especially since they're just North America too. And do you yeah. think do you think that's what wound up? Elon a little bit. Elon's been kind of on a, I wouldn't say a tirade on Twitter X. It he's more like pointing out some, you know, some scary facts about uh, Rivian's, you know, uh, move to, you know, roadmap to profitability. 
So, you know, is is Elon pissed off at Rivian or is he, you know, theoretically trying to help Rivian? I mean, trying to help Rivian, I don't <laughs> That sounds like a stretch. I think Elon is uh is on a, a mood lately that uh he he attacks his rivals. <laughs> like right, uh, right. He, like completely like as an AI company is trashing all the other AIs, like you could, you could argue that, like, yeah, he has legitimate criticism of those, but it's also just like they are his competitors, and he's trashing them, and now he's telling people Rivian's gonna go bankrupt. He said the same thing about Lucid. So Lucid also had a terrible quarter, to be fair. Um, don't need to go into the details of it, but yeah, it's a similar situation as Rivian, just. A little bit worse and that was a weird one elon also commented on the lucid and he said the only reason they're still alive is because they have uh their saudi's sugar daddy that's that's backing them which i thought was a weird comment from coming from a guy that tried to sell tesla to the saudis a few years ago to right. in this take private deal and his partner with the saudis on twitter like he had them roll over their shares didn't he didn't buy the saudis out when he went private with twitter saudis five percent ten percent of the company whatever it is yeah twitter's the uh saudi sugar daddy or saudi's yeah twitter sugar daddy yeah so i I wouldn't i I wouldn't be careful if i was Elon with that (laughs) when i posted that too some of his uh his uh defenders he's like we're nerds that keep defending Elon when they have no business to claim that, uh, yeah, yeah, Elon was pro Saudis back then when Tesla did the the, the deal, what was trying was trying to do the deal with Tesla, but then they, they killed the the, the journalists. Um, oh my god, and, really? Yeah, and then then he backed away from that. <laughs> like, jeez, you put a timeline completely wow. wrong, first of all, and uh, why is he still in business with them with Twitter? <laughs> like, come on, it's so it's, weird. Oh man, that, that's where. Logic. That that that's why I say now, like I, I resisted that for years to calling the Elon fans a cult. But when they are willing to do like misinformation like that, it's like, yeah, that's that's very culty. All right. This this is bad news here, and it is something that we were dreading for a little bit, but we knew was coming. Legacy automakers are starting to do some major pullbacks on their EV plan. Uh Mercedes announced this week that uh so before that, their plan that Mercedes was starting from 2025 onwards, they will only release all electric vehicles. They will still, they would still sell ICE vehicles, combustion engine vehicles, but they wouldn't release new ones. Only new models would be electric, which we applaud them for. I think it was the great move. Now they are backtracking on that this week. They say that they're going to release ICE cars well into the next decade, so well into the 2030s bad move in my opinion it's a little bit short-sighted yep Uh, i i think uh i think they're gonna have a tough time like they they they, well to be fair also i think they screwed up a little bit with their some of their ev programs right now like i think some of their cars are not on par uh with with their their uh, internal combustion versions uh they they were a little bit late too with with that in terms of like they, they were still using uh bodies from their uh, ice cars to do evs just a few years ago now they've invested a lot more with the eqc being pretty cool like qs too but you could make the argument that some of those are just not they they, they seem to be a little bit off from like the mercedes uh uh 
ethos like the, the like the we know Mercedes as being like one of the top brands uh, in right. luxury, and it, it seems that some of their EVs are like a little notch below that. Um, so it doesn't help them, but it's also super useful now for them to like, hey, we're not selling that well, so we need to backtrack on those plans. Like, yeah, you're not selling that well because maybe you're not on par with the rest of the market when it comes to your EVs. And now yeah, you're going mean, to set yourself up to fail next decade. Yeah, that's that's kind of the thing. You know, a lot of the pro- like this, it's not just Mercedes, Ford, GM. You know, they say like, well, we're you know we're kind of late to the EV party, so we're we're going to actually just be even later to the party. And and yeah. well, why not just invest more, build the best EVs, and you know take the future instead of you know getting the scraps of what's left over and and still selling ice cars in the 2030s that seems kind of nuts to me yeah i mean even like trying to predict like 2030s like, the, the right. world is moving so fast these days like and it's clearly moving the electric ways um so they, they're they're calling it ice tactical flexibility hmm. uh, so that's something that the german have been very pushing hard um, too, I, I've heard BMW talked a lot about that too, where they're like, yeah, we're, we're, we're being conservative in our approach, uh, but we're very flexible. So we're making ICE vehicle program, but we can switch quickly to electric if we have to. But I, I really need to see that happening because if you look at the volume numbers now, I mean, you have GM this week, like being super proud of making 200 to 300,000 BEVs in 2024. Yeah. Where I thought, like, based on what they were, how they were talking in 2016, I thought they would be there in 2018. <laughs> yeah, and they said they were going to pass Tesla and all the other stuff. Yeah, by 2018 or something like that. Uh, it's uh, yeah, that, that's why I'm still long Tesla. That's why I I I, I still big supporter of Tesla despite my issues with the company and with Elon Musk is like Tesla is not never going to backtrack. There's nothing to backtrack to. There's no right. They they are all in on EVs. And you cannot trust the legacy automakers not to backtrack. As soon as the economics get a little bit hard, uh, as soon as the demand is not really there, not necessarily because there's no demand for BEVs, but because the economics is, is, is harder right now with the interest rates, with the uncertainty in the economy. Inflation there's also a lot of the misinformation out there. Like if you're on Facebook, you see so many like weird oh, bots or whatever talking about how, you know, batteries are exploding or you need to replace your batteries after two years or just like crazy stuff that you know very easy to debunk but like you know most of the the world is not terribly you know versed on evs so yeah a lot of the stuff gets believed and people don't want yeah and you have you have joe rogan who is probably like the biggest media on the planet right now uh i i love a lot of his stuff but He's not super educated on electric vehicle. And he had this one guy on the podcast at one point that had a big impact on him, which to be fair, the guy was a pretty good journalist and he covered, he was focusing on the cobalt situation in Congo, mm-hmm. which can be very awful. Like it's it's not, no one wants to look at uh, child labor, slave labor, or near slave slavery neighbor, whatever uh, you want to call it. And uh, and then he, he keeps hammering now. Every chance he gets, he talks about hey, all these electric vehicles have cobalt in there. And then you encourage uh, people in the Congo and everything like that, which is not – it's a little bit more complicated than that. First of all, you have 
most of the EVs being produced today are LFP-based batteries, which don't have cobalt in there. Right. Uh, if you're concerned about cobalt, don't use a, a phone because the, right. all your phones have a lot hard, like a lot more cobalt per capita than than uh, your batteries in, in a car. Like it's everything that needs super high energy density, uh, like a phone, like small electronics, have cobalt. There's still cobalt in some cars. I'm not going to lie. Obviously, my car has cobalt, um, but it's also not all cobalt that it's mined by slavery. It's near slave labor or child labor, obviously too. Most companies try to avoid that. Um, all right. But I'm sure I'm saying I'm sure that has an impact because Joe Rogan is massive. Like, um, we're going to have a few more news items to discuss and then we're going to jump into you guys' comments. Uh, so if you guys have questions for us about either what we discussed today or any other topics in the EV world, you can put it in the comments right now and I'll get to it in a few uh, seconds. Mustang Mikey just got some very nice uh, discounts, some price cuts across the entire lineup uh, in Canada and in the U.S. We're going to focus on U.S. pricing, but similar price cuts in Canada too. Sorry. Um, between $3,000 and $8,000 price cuts. So now the Select Rebel Drive, the base version, starts at only uh, basically $40,000, a $3,000 price cut. Uh, you can get uh, the extended range premium rear-wheel drive, so the longer version that you can, the longer longest range version that you can get, uh, went from fifty-four thousand to forty-six thousand dollars, an eight thousand dollar price cut, so that massive. And then you have again four and seven thousand dollar price cuts across the entire lineup. Even the GT version now costs just fifty-seven thousand four hundred dollars. Uh, so this is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, Ford is obviously filling it. They, the Mike Key competes obviously with the Model Y and Tesla has cut the price extensively on the vehicle. So they just have to keep up. Uh, it's, um, it's the price war at play. And they, they don't, uh, the Maki is only, it, because it's made in Mexico, but it's made with uh, overseas sales. They only get uh, half of the federal tax credit. Yeah. No. Oh, is it full? Uh, the, well, that's the lease. Yeah, the lease again. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can get around that if you get the lease versions. Yeah. Such a weird loophole. <laughs> I know. Like, it is no it? Sense. Was it? Yeah, to be on purpose. Otherwise, like, it's it's just too too dumb to be not on purpose, right? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, know. if you're betting on the government not being dumb, though, like, yeah. lose that one. Probably every time. losing. Yeah. All right, this the ID7 Tour is a tourer, is that how you call it? Yep. That's a weird name for it, a tour. It's a wagon. It's an ID7 electric wagon. They claim it's the first electric wagon. Um I think so. I mean, you can you, I, I, I want to call it like the Taycan Cross Turismo like kind of I was wagon. just going to say that. It's yeah. it's the same company. <laughs> like yeah. uh you know, the people at the desk like down the you know, down the aisle they're making uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe like people like uh, I mean, they and they call something PMs, shooting they brakes. They are really, yeah, they they're really specific about their car types and everything they call. Right. Um, here we basically have sedans and SUVs and pickups. That's it. And then sometimes we call things crossover, but we don't even know what that means. Um, yeah, so a pretty good looking car. Okay, look at this. Oh, oh the gallery change. Okay, boom. I mean, if you're familiar with the ID4, obviously the front end is going to be uh, nothing too surprising. But uh, 
that nice little wagon profile, not for everyone, but very popular in Europe and uh, very efficient too. You have to admit that um, it's getting a range of up to 685 kilometers on the WLTP. That's 426 miles. So obviously WLTP is not as uh, strict as EPA, but still, I wouldn't be surprised if you easily get over 360 miles of range off of that, off of that thing. Yeah, it's out. Yeah. 200 kilowatt charging, 10 to 80% in 30 minutes. Uh, just in Europe, I would assume. Uh, um, pre-orders expected in Q1 2024 in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if this is coming to the US. Sadly. Maybe give it a shot. Like, sure. Try it out. ID4, ID3. ID7 tour. Maybe just a little test run in the US would be fun. Yeah, we're still waiting for the uh, bus to finally, the buzz. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Couples forgot about that one. Um, all right, BYD. I mean, the, the Chinese are coming. That's why I'm saying, like, the legacy automakers that are backtracking, like, you're you're giving, the Chinese, all they're doing is waiting for an opportunity. Uh, like, they they have all these things being thrown in their wheels, all these sticks being thrown in their wheels with those protectionist approach in North America and in Europe too. But at one point, if you guys are not delivering, you're gonna have to turn the people are gonna have to turn to the Chinese to 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 uh, satisfy the uh, demand for BEVs, and they are gonna be ready for it. So this is yep. a new Dolphin EV from BYD, and it starts out at. Less than a hundred thousand yen, which is the equivalent of fourteen thousand dollar US. Crazy, and it, it's a pretty decent car. Now, it's a small car, but it's a four door with a hatchback and a small battery pack. But because it's so small and so uh, light, you still get some decent range out of it. Okay, this is the Chinese CLTC range, to be honest. So maybe slash a twenty. <laughs> 10 to 20% off of that, but still. So it's the, the base one has a 32 kilowatt hour battery pack, which is very small. I mean, we're getting back to the old days of the Leaf, basically. But they still claim 187 miles, 300 kilometers on this. So I would assume 150 is like achievable because it is smaller than the Leaf, too. It's, it has these tiny little wheels, uh, but it's a pretty nice city car. Now, if you upgrade to the 45 kilowatt hour battery pack, uh, it's uh, $16,000. It's not that much more expensive. And that gets you to 261 miles of range, 420 kilometers, probably more realistically, just over 200 miles of range, which is pretty good. Um, then you have uh, the fashion and night version, which I assume have like different packages, but they have the same powertrain. Um, so what else do we have? The charging capacity on this thing. Uh, Oh yeah, the, the the dimension are just slightly smaller than the ID three. So just to uh, give you an idea, um, I feel like Mike is going to import a couple of these from on a container one of these days. He's, <laughs> he's just going to have like a yard full of Chinese, uh, you know, mm-hmm. fourteen thousand dollar Chinese cars. I mean, BYD might be in Israel too. Might be instead of uh, oh, they're definitely that. in Israel for sure. Yeah. We should have Micah maybe do a few review with these cars. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, it's uh, for the news today. We're gonna jump into you guys' comment section. All right. Let's go right to the big question. Any new info on Musk's desired compensation plan? 
really. so yeah, uh, the ruling, uh, the ruling. Uh, I think Musk's team confirmed that they plan an appeal. So the decision of the judge has been put on hold. So there's been a lot of misinformation of that over the last two weeks because like all the biggest shareholders in Tesla had to report their ownership in Tesla. And uh, so Elon reported his ownership and people say, hey, his ownership has increased. It's now 20 point something percent. Uh, but uh, that's not accurate. That's it's still 13. Whoop, did we lose set? Oh, not sure what happened. I hope I'm still on right now. But uh, all right, we'll see what happened with set. We'll Oh, he's back. He's back. Okay. That's weird. My browser crashed. <laughs> okay. Uh, I thought it was me for a second because I, I was seeing my like connection on this uh, studio like going up and down for some reason. But I, I haven't been cutting off enough. I'll, I'll show it. Right. So far, good? so good. Yep. Okay. All right. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. The uh, He still owns 13 point something percent of the company in stocks in his broker's account, but you still have another extra, like almost 8% of shares that needs to be exercised from that are coming up to be exercised in the future from his compensation plan that has been rescinded by the judge. Now that has been put on all. So technically right now it has access to 20%. Even then the 20% is not correct because obviously we'd have to sell some of these shares once exercising just to pay the taxes on them. Um, unless he's like sitting on a few billion dollars that we don't know about, um, which I doubt because Twitter. Um, <laughs> but so a lot of people misreported this as like 20% ownership. But now because the Musk team has told Delaware that they are going to appeal to the decision, this has been put on hold. Uh, so the, the, the deal is not rescinded just yet. And the other parties have agreed to that. Now, the weird thing, though, is that at the same time, Tesla is trying to move incorporation from Delaware to Texas. So uh, Elon has already done that for SpaceX. And I'm sure he's trying to do it for Twitter. No, I don't even know where Twitter is uh, is based right now. Uh, but yeah, so right now that's where we are. It's, it's, there's going to be an appeal and potentially a move to Texas that could change things up. All right, let's move on. Jean-Michel Belanger. Uh, with Model Y made in China 2023. Initially, the car indicated distances in centimeters when parking the car. After an OTA update, no more centimeters display on the screen. Will it be back? And I, I get inches on my display, so. Yeah, I assume Jean-Michel is from uh, Quebec or France, and he's, he's using centimeters, so he wants centimeter back. Uh, so it switched to inches with the OTA update, but I would assume in the car, you should be able to set it to centimeters because in the car, you can switch between metric and imperial system. So, um, Is it I, no I more centimeters or no more anything? Maybe he's saying there's no more like distance. Uh, yeah, that might yeah. be. I don't know. That's weird. So looking at that one. Uh, my guess is that the take rate is very bad. So we're talking about why Tesla doesn't do numbers. They want to protect the cyber stock truck. Price. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the take rate is bad when you compare it to the 2 million people that reserved it. They reserved it with a $100 uh, refundable fee. So it's not a big show of interest. Then you have also the fact that 
the Cybertruck changed a lot in terms of pricing. It's much more expensive since it was unveiled. And uh, it's not as good too, let's be honest, like in terms of uh, capacity, like uh, all the way down to the towing capacity, to the payload capacity is down. And uh, obviously the range situation without the range extender is also not ideal. So yeah, I'm sure the take rate is not that good, but they, they don't have problems selling it right now. I don't think so. Like it would right. be ridiculous. All right, Mike, the car geek says Yang Wang BYD U8 SUV has emergency float capability, but it requires the owner to bring their EV for inspection after a water event. I uh, assume you avoid the warranty if you do not. So oh, we- well, that's interesting. At least you have an option. Like if you bring it right away, then you're cool. Yeah, I'm not sure what they do if they just like put it in mm-hmm. rice or what, <laughs> what, what the, that, how that helps, but sure. Uh, we're talking about, uh, have we seen cyber trucks in the wild? Uh, Rich Tier says a cyber truck with uh, California plates was spotted in the wild in Kilowana and Vernon, British Columbia a few weeks ago. Uh, I mean, yeah. California plates is just somebody's going on a road trip. Yeah. It's not that far. Uh, Carl in San Diego reading Volt Rush right now. And they make the point that automakers assume increasing orders for parts traditionally results in lower per unit cost, but EV battery man- material mining increased orders results in higher unit per cost. This shows Rivian can't fix bleeding with cheaper car at high volume unless they build a Dacia Spring with a 25 kilowatt hour battery. All right. Um, I'm not sure I'm exactly following. Yeah, I think he's just trying to say you can't really always um, increase profitability by making more of them. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a limit to the economies of scales for sure, but yeah, you can make a cheaper vehicle than the R1S and R1T. Yeah, for sure. All right, David Perrin says Electric needs to check out Australasia and the BYD range, quality and value. Tesla shouldn't have to worry, but they should. It's probably too late now in any case. So should they worry or should should they not? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm sure that the quality of Tesla vehicles is a little bit higher at this point still, but... BYD, you just have to look at the improvement rate. Like just a few years ago, it was nothing compared to where they are now. So they're yeah. definitely taking the hint. And uh, the, if they I still mean, have Elon, room to improve, they could improve. Like. Elon was on Bloomberg laughing, like like yeah. giddy laughing at the quality of BYD. And now, you know, they're outselling. Now he's customers. buying billions of dollars worth of, of batteries from them. Right, right. Uh, from Facebook, Jake Riddle says, do you see megawatt DC fast charging wireless power transfer equipment becoming common charging practice anytime soon? Uh, that's a lot of stuff there. Fast wireless megawatt. I don't know. Uh, megawatt is uh, possible, but I don't think, I don't, I don't know of any in the megawatt level in wireless right now, but I know it's being worked on. I know like for buses and trucks, it's being more worked on. I'm sure. I'm sure there's some use case for it that makes sense, and it's going to happen in the future. I don't think it's going to cover uh, any significant part of the charging infrastructure, though, long term. I think it's going to be like more of a niche product that's going to be higher end. But yeah, I think. I think it's. I think it could. It could work. All right. Are you all seeing any signs of consumer anti EV bias being reduced? No one in my family even considered an EV after I. Showed them how awesome my 2019 Model 3 was. Wow, really? That's, uh, I don't know. Where are you from, KC5GTS? Because, I mean, if you show them your car like that, I've, I've, I've 
showed my car to some people that were pretty staunch, like anti-EV people. And at very least, like I opened for them the possibility that, ah, okay, maybe this EVs things is not just a fad. Uh, maybe not like they're going to buy one, but uh, normally that's that's the way to go. Like I was going to say, like you're not working hard enough <laughs> on them, but you did show them your car. Did you let them drive it? <laughs> uh, maybe that's what you need to do next. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how anybody buys an ice ice car after driving a, a yeah. you know a Tesla Model Three, for instance, yeah. or or you know a Porsche Taycan or any any yeah. number of EVs. Um, moving on, let's see. Cobalt, we're just talking about that a lot. Cobalt is used to refine oil into gas and diesel. I think I saw a video about this once. Yeah, that's right. I think Rich is right. Yeah, it's funny how the anti-EV puppets don't mention that fact. I don't know how the split is right now in the market, though. I, I would assume that now batteries use more cobalt than uh, the gas industry, but still a good point. It's an uh, assumption. I don't quote me on that. All right. This is important. Electric is becoming irrelevant by domestic parochialism. China <laughs> do you know is what sweeping... that means? I, don't. <laughs> I think I do. I don't know. Anyway, China is sweeping across the international markets. All right. Well, okay, I mean... Wait. We're acknowledging that, like China's vehicles are definitely getting better. They're selling a ton more of them, and they're they're. I mean, we've said for years, like China's vehicles are eighty to ninety percent as good as you know German, Japanese domestic vehicles, and they're like half the price. So a lot of people are going to be fine with uh, eighty to nine percent of the vehicle at half the price, and that's. Mm -hmm. That's what you get for China. Yeah, I mean, his point is that it's a limited and narrow outlook, especially focused on one local area. So we are for sure locus, focused on the North American market. He's right about that. Uh, and there's no Chinese, there's not much Chinese EVs in the North American market right now. There's some. Um, and, and look, we, we, like Seth said, we are very aware of it. And we actually are taking steps to, to address that. Like, uh, I am planning, I would like to go to China this year. Uh, to check out some of the EVs, uh, I'm looking into that. So there's that to start with. Uh, I'm I know I know it's not Chinese right now, but it's it's Asian. I'm gonna be testing out the Vinfast soon because my parents are getting one. So that's also we are open to that. Uh, so yeah, I think we're very open to it. I understand your point, but I don't I don't think we are irrelevant. I am very. Oh, somebody's getting see. an island. Yeah. Um, I'm just to back up a little bit. I'm very interested to see uh, the experience that. Uh, your parents have with the VinFast because um, I've heard some good things and some bad things. And I want to see, you know, firsthand, uh, we did get to drive a VinFast around uh, LA a couple of years ago. So yeah, th those fine. Uh, yeah. So we're going to improve a lot. I've heard that's what my dad keeps telling me. They improved a lot over the last okay. few years. They listen to customers a lot. They improved and they give a very good warranty too, like a bumper to bumper warranty for 10 years, I think, which is insane. Oh, wow. Obviously, the company needs to still be around <laughs> in 10 years. So that's my main concern. But yeah, uh, yeah so I'm, I'm approaching it with an open mind because my, my dad does a lot of research, to be fair, but that yeah. when he buys something is not like uh, on the whim. So he did his research. We'll see. But yes, yeah, so okay. that's cool. Uh, congrats on the, on, on the Model 3 Island. We'll yeah, have gonna, to go check it out. I was going to say, you can head over there and wait did yeah, he, he, he got the highlight far from me yeah, yeah not too bad maybe we could do a comparison with the my 2018 model 3 that would be cool all right uh byd seal is a compelling car for us to compete with model 3 
I don't know if that's. I mean, you know, it's weird. They oh. have like a BYD dealership in uh, Los Angeles near the uh, where the auto show is, and uh, they don't. They sell like uh, buses, trucks, right? Yeah, trucks. Yeah. So I don't know. All right, let's see what's moving on. All right, here's a good one. Uh, Mike the Car Geek asks, "What Tesla events do you expect this year? Investors, deliveries, other?" Um, uh, you remember Elon said that as soon as Tesla posts their 10K SEC filings for the year, he's going to do uh, all and on desk meeting and publish it on X. Uh, it's been two weeks, I think, since they released the 10K and they, they haven't. So we're expecting that in the future. But I know Tesla is like Elon, like six priority right now, although after X and Neuralink and XAI and SpaceX and all that. So I'm not super, um, I'm not holding my breath until that happens. But yeah, what else? Um, another AI day, I would assume. And the AI day would make sense. Tesla is an AI company. Maybe uh, maybe you can steal some of uh, XAI's engineers to do the AI day at Tesla. Uh, that, that would be ironic. Um, what else? Deliveries. Deliveries of what? I don't know. They should have a Powerwall 3, uh, like just a little event. That would be kind of cool. I mean, it's already Don't see it been happening. installed for months and right, right. officially opened orders last week. Yeah, yeah. All right, moving on. Yeah, do we have anything uh, else? Cybertruck in Canada mm-hmm. Auto Show and doesn't, ID doesn't seem to be a big fan of it. The Cybertruck <laughs> yeah. reminds me of that. I don't know if you've seen the, Cy- the Seinfeld episode where he's dating this girl that looks really cute in one light and then in the the dark in the dark or something she looks really ugly yeah. and uh i mean it's a very polarizing truck too so it's like some people love it some people hate it oh we still lost this again <laughs> all right uh is the tesla semi still a thing yes but it's a very low volume production thing because the um the the expansion of gigafactory nevada did you close your your browser again <laughs> it did it crashed i don't know what's going on it crashed again yeah um so yeah for for the the this is a mighty ramp up production they need that expansion of uh, gigafactory nevada and they just uh had a breaking ground ceremony like last month on it uh it's been delayed by like a year so yeah it's still a thing it's just way behind uh production it's gonna happen okay season pennsylvania yes yeah, so yeah pennsylvania uh oh is Zaptera doing i saw uh i saw they closed the accelerator program well they closed it because uh they completed it like they uh they achieved their goal with it uh and it's still open like within the people that are already in it you can still like compete to get a faster delivery like people that give like invest the most money gets a faster delivery uh so yeah i mean i uh to full disclosure i did put some money in in Aptera. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's like, it's more like of a show of faith. Like I really like their product. I really like the idea behind their product. I should say, cause I've never actually tested it. Um, but I'm, I'm in the EV space because of efficiency. I love a super efficient vehicle and I love that what they're doing. It's, it's that like, it's just ultra efficiency. And when you have ultra efficiency, then, then solar on the car starts to make sense too. So that's fun at the same time. No, I don't, I don't think we call it a solar electric car, but it's, it's very much like a, there's an efficiency beast so much that, yeah, you can put some solar on it. So I, I like this idea and I hope that the car gets to market because I think it could be really cool. Um, but it, it looks like they still need like a little, 
a little boost, uh, a few million dollars to to get across the finish line. It sounds like. And then finally, we have uh, Carl in San Diego. Thanks, Carl, for listening to the show. I know he's, he's always there. What are you really asking? Is that will Elon do to distract? What are you? What you are really asking is what will Elon do to distract everyone? I'm not sure I understand the context of that. Oh, uh, I think he's talking time. about the event. Like, are they going to have? Oh, okay. What? Uh, yeah. What? What smoke show? What the little magic trick is going to do? The yeah. slide event trick. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would before a Tesla event, I would like just give us data on the FSD program. That's really what uh, what's missing from Tesla to gain some credibility right now. Maybe because the data doesn't look good and wouldn't help the credibility that's uh, possibly to do. But I would like Tesla to be less opaque on that before they do any uh, again big like demonstration of full self driving in an event or something like that. Anyway. That's it for us this week. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the show. We've been going for an hour. Uh, if you've been listening to us for an hour, you're a true electric vehicle nut like us, <laughs> and we appreciate you for it. If you do enjoy this show, if you can give us a like and a subscribe, free to do, takes a second. It helps the show more than you think. We appreciate when you do it. If you're listening on your podcast app right now, if you can give us a five-star review, only if you enjoyed the show, of course. We appreciate that, too. Helps the show, takes a second. And we're going to see you same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.